The reproduction of this content is not allowed without the express written consent of EBH Fitness LLC. Victor Herbin III, and I'm taking it to the house. And I'm Dr. Timothy Hoover, and I'm taking it to the house. You know, right off the top, brother, I just want to say this, man. What a fellas weekend just passed in Cincinnati. One thing about this family, this family will travel. So I just want to give it out to the HHB men. Y'all already know who you are. I call you by name, but that's okay. I'm gonna talk about the collective, how you guys are accommodating, loving, supportive, vulnerable once with one another, but yet strong. So I just wanna say, fantastic weekend in Cincinnati. That's how I wanna start off, sir. What's on your mind? I mean, why are we gonna talk about Cincinnati? We gotta talk about how well those uh, those Ravens handle that business inside the jungle. Who they, who they, who they think they gonna beat them (laughs) Bengals? Nobody, (laughs) wait a minute, hold up. No Ravens did, but I, I concur. What a great retreat. I tell you all, uh, it's important that men get together. It's important that men take that time out, not to hit the bar, not to go do all that kind of stuff, but just really be together, uh, be sensitive, be vulnerable. Uh, it's hard out here. It's hard out here for black men. And so yes. having that time just to break away and, and love on one another and just really enjoy our time. I mean, again, priceless memories. And so how, what better way to do that around the National Football League and watching the Ravens go to town and kick some of that bangle tail? Okay. Yes, sir. Well, while we're here, we can go into the NFL. You, you direct this. Which way do you want to go? Man, we can- there is so much to talk about. Look, there is. And since we're talking about the AFC North, let's go there. What do you think, man, about Nick Chubb? Uh, that's two weeks in a row. We've watched some significant injuries happen to running backs. We know in the offseason, running backs have been uh, pushing a big play to get that financial situation together. Contracts are not getting any love regarding the contracts. We understand one side of the coin, get that rookie deal, go ahead and perform. They they sell you know they over they overcommit and then the next thing you know they're not getting uh that they're not getting reward on the back end and so yeah. we start our first week J.K. Dobbins from the Ravens he gets the Achilles tear the next week we see this horrendous horrendous definitely don't look at the TV type injury of Nick Chubb yes some people's legs are not supposed to bend certain ways and that's one of them so does that and now we have Austin Eckler that's hurt. And also Saquon Barkley. Again, their argument is pay us as running backs. We outperform our contract. The following year, we asked for a re-up. And the owner said, yes, you did wait for me. But guess what? I'm not going to give you the top dollars. What are you thinking about that, man? And what about the the fate of our running backs? Yeah, so uh, these latest injuries, they don't help the running back cause. They, They really don't. 
Uh, so the, the owners, they want to plug and play. They don't want to pay that top dollar. So once they get off this rookie contract, they don't want to pay them because of the decline years and the wear and tear of the body. So notably, even before the season started, we had Josh Jacobs for the Raiders. We had uh, Mr. Eckler for the, the Los Angeles Chargers, who, who wanted to sit out because of their productivity and what they were doing. Uh, Jacobs, uh, the most yards from scrimmage, and then Eckler, you know, just everything back for the Chargers. Matter of fact, without him, the Chargers are, are to me, they're nothing. Even though they got Justin Herbert back there, he's the the straw that starts to drink for the Chargers, in my humble opinion. And then you talk about Nick Chubb. So these guys are great. Those three in particular, they're great. Let's not even, let's, we can't forget about Derek Henry, Henry, you know, who's been the bell cow for the Tennessee Titans. And what happens with time? Time will get to each one of them. We know that. The wear and tear, the pounding. So every play, pretty much every play that they're on, it's a collision. It's not just tackling. It's a collision. It's a car wreck. Okay? It's clear. And there is going to be wear and tear. So by the fifth year, the sixth year, and the numbers kind of show this, that there, there, there will be a decline. And that's why they don't want to pay them. Zeke Elliott, for instance, he got the bag, he got the big money, and has never been the same. Man, I didn't even talk about the injuries. Okay, now we got injuries. So you ask, what about Nick Chubb? Probably one of the nicest guys out there for a running back, highly productive. They don't, he was underutilized as a uh, Cleveland Browns running back. I think they could have used him more, especially to help with Deshaun Watson's transition back into an affirmation to football again after almost two years off. And so he would have been very nice to, to be used more. They had Kareem Hunt last year as a backup. Tub goes down, plug and play. Kareem Hunt was on nobody's team. Tub goes down, here comes Kareem Hunt. It goes to, they will not ever get the bag. They are disposable. I hate the injury factor. I hate what happens to Dobbins. I hate what happens to Chubb, but it's going to happen. The propensity or the uh, probability of them getting injured is higher than any other position. And so they are disposable. I don't care. It's not the Walter Paytons of old, the OJ Simpsons, you, the Earl Campbells, uh, you name it, but Marshall Falk, uh, 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 you just name any of the great running backs, they are of lore. I don't know if we'll ever have that again because it has to happen within a five-year window and it'll be very, very exceptional. I, I'm a running back by trade, by nature. And so um, you asked the question, these injuries don't help their cause. They're going to get paid, but they're not going to be pay one of the highest paid players even though they're the most used and the most um, injury prone, they won't be one of the highest paid players. It's going to be quarterbacks and it's going to be receivers. You don't have to like it. It's just the way it is. Mm. Basically, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. Thank you for your service. Keep it moving. Right. Wow. 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 So while we're talking about NFL, what are some of your big highlights this last, uh, the early part of the season? We got, the biggest surprises, biggest upsets, 
what where are you at with how this uh, season's going so far? Okay, well, let's stay there in the in the north. Uh, the Bengals and Joe Burrow, that calf injury is a problem. They started out 0-2 again this year, but he was relatively healthy in those past years. He's not healthy. Their line play for the Cincinnati Bengals is terrible. I'm talking about the offensive line, and they're not doing anything on defense that's really exceptional. So I had a chance to get up close and personal this past weekend at the Ravens game, Ravens and Bengals in Cincinnati. Um, I think the only reason Cincinnati really stayed in the game is because the, the Ravens are still getting used to the new OC. And But what I do like is watching Lamar be methodical. He, he's very patient. He's just, you can't really necessarily plan for him. He has weapons. Odell Beckham, uh, still not 100%. Uh, then you got Xavier, well, I forget his, Zay. Uh, Zay Flowers. Flowers, yes. The man is just a score waiting to happen. So they're getting used to their new OC, the terminology, being comfortable in it. Two games in, I think they're going to be a mess. Back to the Bengals. 0-2 in the division. Losing to the Browns the first week and then losing to the Ravens the second week. That's a hard hill to climb up. And then, like I said, Joe Burrow is injured. The other takeaway I would have is the Denver Broncos. New coach, same old quarterback. However, I had to look at this thing a little bit different. You know, uh, Russell Wilson, he threw for over 300, pounds, 300 yards. Excuse me. He threw for over 300 yards. They had the lead in the, the game and then got stopped in the second half. Well, Russell Wilson doesn't play defense, bro. He don't play defense. He can't play defense. And so the Denver Broncos starting out 0-2, that's a problem. I was wanting to blame Russell, but I can't. They have a problem on the defensive side. They can't, they, they can't stop anybody. So those are my two biggest breakaways and before I go on, I certainly want to hear your take. I like your take on the Bengals. I concur. But being here in D.C., I have to say, my biggest surprise, but yet I'm very excited to watch what Eric Bieniemy is doing with them watching the Commanders. I haven't been to the game this year yet, so I don't know what the new uh, uh, fight song is. It won't be held to the Redskins. But whatever the Commanders are doing, I'm giving them a salute. These boys are handling it it's twofold one who does not want the hometown team to win me being here in dc it's diehard cardinal and gold red and gold all around here and yes i'm one of the anomalies because where i'm situated to be a raven fan but i will tell you this to have eric b who is successful uh nfl running back who is a dynamic running back at what university of colorado in the 90s and who was an outstanding offensive coordinator for the world champion Kansas City Chiefs. He has been, he's been getting the shaft over the last four years with opportunities to be a head coach in the league. So he bet on himself. He bet on himself and said, I will go coach the Washington Commanders as the offensive coordinator. And he knows this is a win or lose. Literally, for his career, it's win or lose. He's now on the big stage. Because they were trying to say his success in Kansas City was Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And 
uh, Eric Bieniemy was simply the token. He was simply just the trophy, this plug and play. So guess what? Watch the commander's record, 2-0. Dare I say, Kansas City Chiefs, 1-1. One one. I'm not saying what, what changed, but we do know the obvious. Eric Bieniemy is no longer an offensive coordinator over there. So that's one of my biggest surprises as well as excitements because I really want him to excel. We know we have a significant issue with uh, black head coaches in the National Football League. So to watch what he was able to do, and they and they were the ones that did the comeback. So on one end, yes, Denver, sorry you lost. Russell Wilson, you don't play defense, but guess who they played? They're against the Washington Commanders. So that's great. It also gives great excitement for the NFC East. The other uh, surprise is definitely, definitely watching Miami. Now, when we looked at AFC East, Everyone had already crowned the ass, had crowned the New York Jets before the game started because of Aaron Rodgers. But did you hear the latest stat that Tua from Miami has beaten Bill Belichick and New England uh, Patriots? He's 5-0. No other quarterback has a 5-0 record against Bill Belichick. Miami is, is scary. Miami has those burners. Tyreek Hill, you got Waddle over there, and Tua can gun it. He has not been getting a lot of uh, respect over years because of injury prone and his height, but they are doing the damn thing. So I look at those two from a expectation of how this season uh, is going, those surprises. That's my one from the AFC, Miami, and my one from the NFC in Washington. You know, I want to bite on that uh, Washington tip there, Eric B. Enemy, and I want to say uh, kudos to him because uh, this season really started out ragged for him. This his players were his players. I'm talking about an implosion, anarchy. They wanted to come on in and say he was just being too hard. He was being too rough. And I'm like, he's a grown man. This is the NFL. How is he going to be too hard, too rough? Well. I think Eric Bienby said, it's going to be my way or the highway. And he probably didn't sugarcoat it too much. So I think, and, and then, but there's going to be some rough patches, you know, when you get a new OC and there's going to be new expectations. And so he's not going to be like the old guy. People need to get used to change. And on top of that, he's black. Oh, and on top of that, like you said, he has had to, to try to prove himself and tell the naysayers, no, what happened in Kansas City? I was part of that. It wasn't instead of, no, I am part of, and the reason why we won those two Super Bowls is because I was calling the plays. No, it was a collaboration, and I was part of that collaboration. I also believe that Eric Bieniemy is the coach in waiting for the commanders. That's Ooh. what I think. Ooh. I think Ron Rivera down there is on a hot seat, and he may, he may not even know it, but that's okay. But my question to you, my question to you, is he a better OC than he will be a coach? Because you know, some people can't move over in, in basketball terms over that next seat to that next position. Is it something that I'm sure it's something he wants? How will he do? We don't know, but I wanted to get your opinion on, do you think he's better serving a team as an OC or do you think he has something of value as a, as a coach? I think the answer to that is time will tell. Uh, some of those great OCs who did make the leap 
how many of them crashed and burned. Josh McDaniels didn't make a success his first time out when he went uh, and had Tebow mania in Denver. After he failed to that mission, he went back to New England. Uh, we look at Sean McVay. Uh, Boy Wonder came out of Washington, went out to Los Angeles, took the Rams to a, uh, a championship with two Super Bowls, 1-1, and now they're struggling to rebuild. You have Kyle Shanahan, who is doing a great job out there in San Francisco. And you have, so we have case studies that show that they have succeeded. My challenge for Eric will be which job he decides to go to. That's the process. That's, that's, that's my challenge. He can succeed in Washington, but when does he want to jump? I like what Josh McDaniel did. Josh McDaniel jumped. He thought he could do something with Tim Tebow. He failed. He came back, and he waited. His name had been in circulation for years to the point where they practically begged him to take jobs. And he said, what's the best one for me? And he took the, the, Los Angeles, the Las Vegas Raiders job, and he's doing relatively well. He has his quarterback that he wanted that he actually worked with in New England. So he definitely had the, the package. We'll see now what uh, Matt LaFleur can do it with the, the Green Bay Packers now that Aaron Rodgers has departed, him and Jordan Love. So there's precedence that's set, but then there's also precedence that's set where uh, OCs had not been successful. Look at Paul Hackett. He was the offensive coordinator for Aaron Rodgers in uh, Green Bay. He took over the head coaching job in, in Denver. And what happened? Washed out in one year. And now he's on his second stint where at in New York. So I think there's time will tell. Uh, this is the experiment for Eric. Take your time. Uh, enjoy the process. As you stated, Ron Rivera, also a minority coach, head coach. And so that's also, I'm interested in the precedence there. I mean, you have a, a, a uh, Hispanic uh, head coach with a black OC. Can they do some damage? So that'd be great to watch. But I just want Eric to bask in this for a couple of years. Uh, but he definitely had to strike when the iron's hot. Okay, great answer. And, and I'm all for Eric. You can probably choose a spot, but I want you to get the opportunity. And that's all. Just get the opportunity. Yeah, opportunity in the right place. Right now, Chicago will probably be open. I would not want to work for the Chicago Bears. Uh, I would not want to work for the Cleveland Browns. So I would definitely be a little picky on where I would go and where I would not want to go. Because now I'm looking at organizations that are, that are going to support me, organizations that have a history of winning. And now when you say that, most of those organizations are not having high turnover to coaches. So just the pros and cons, <laughs> you know, it's, it's catch 22, but I would definitely be very, I'd be very cautious, but I tell you what, uh, what team I would be interested in going to, if I'm Eric Bieniemy, the Los Angeles Chargers, you'd have yourself great running game. You got your great offense with a, a young quarterback. So that'd be something that if Brandon Staley uh, pees in the bed this year and they, and they fire him between uh, Eric Bieniemy and Kellen Moore out there, I think they could do some damage, and that's a job that I would uh, go for. Yeah, they Brandon Staley is uh, on the proverbial hot seat. Uh, many have said that, and I've heard also through the networks of uh, Kellen Moore is that coach in waiting out there. But I can see, I can see where he can just be the OC. Kellen Moore can just be the OC, and somebody like Eric uh, would would go out there. But Staley, 
He's had opportunities uh, to get it right. He has a great team, great players, a very good defense, but they're not producing in, in wins. And so something's got to happen out there. And usually what we, what we do know is the coach is the first one to go. First one to go. Easy clickbait. So, um, what do you think as we switch gears to one level below NCAA? What do you think about Prime Mania, man? Uh, overall, at Prime Mania, and then how they showed out this last weekend. What are your thoughts? They said that generated significant, the highest, the fifth highest rated prime time uh, uh, game on ESPN of all time. Not college game, this yeah. game. So as against Colorado State. So what are your thoughts? Well, we talked about it. You and I both, we're drinking the prime juice. Okay, so we're fully immersed. Uh, if you watched the show last week, we talked about it last week. They won one game last year. I'm talking about Colorado, the Buffaloes. They won one game. This year, he's 3-0. and Oh, it wasn't easy. This last game, you're talking about against Colorado State. It wasn't easy at all. We're talking about an injury to his top performer, Mr. Hunter, out there on the plays offense and defense. They came from behind, had to win it in overtime. But the economic impact in Boulder, wow. This is not just about what's going on on the field. The prime effect is for real. We're talking about ESPN and Fox. When they show up for their pre-game college shows, camp out. In Boulder, it's big time. When you have all the former football players, anybody affiliated to Colorado, stars who weren't even affiliated to Colorado, just showing up for a Colorado and Colorado State game for the third game of the season, you would think there was national uh, a championship at stake. No, it wasn't any of that. It was because of Dion. It's because of his marketability. It's because of his swag. It's the Dion effect. So we talked about it over the weekend. The mayor, the governor, somebody needs to cut Dion a check, man, to say thank you, bro. We are good now. Because, you know, it, it, it manifests itself into uh, a high morale uh, for the city, for the community surrounding Boulder. Now. Three wins. He's getting ready to go, go up against Oregon. It's getting ready to get, get real now. It's getting ready to get real. I don't know if he has to win. I don't know. But I still say he's still going to be Dion. Then next week, this following week, after this week, he's got USC. Well, it's going to get real, real, okay? However, we can't look that far ahead. Let's just look at what he's done. And he's got a team of underachievers, really, a band of brothers coming together and believing in themselves. And so that goes a long way. You're a military guy, and you know when the commander comes in there or the lead dog comes in there and tells you what you can do. You don't even believe it yourself, and all of a sudden you get hyped, and you're going to take that hill. You're going to 
meet that objective because you don't want to let the old man down. The old man in this case is Dion. The old man in this case is a Hall of Famer. The old man in this case played baseball at a high level, played football at a high level, and now he's coaching your team. And he's telling everybody, he's, he's taking the establishment and tell them, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to do it our way. And he's proven them, the establishment, wrong. Why? Because he has people, players, that believe in themselves and nobody else has to. And so it's a transformation more mental than it is physical. And so when you have somebody, you, you, you coached, you've seen it, even your children, do something that they didn't believe they could do and, the, and, and what the result is, is now you've got a new person. They're not the biggest, they're not the fastest, they're not the strongest, but they got the greatest heart. And as long as they have that heart, they're in the fight. They may lose against Oregon. They may lose against USC. But I tell you what, Oregon and USC going to learn that they got some fight, bro. They got some fight. Back to you, sir. Totally concur. Totally concur. I think they definitely showed that they're not to be played with. However, they also learned that the target's on their back. Colorado State had not seen that much activity since the, since the school was founded. You're talking about The Rock. Offset from uh, uh, the Migos, Little Wayne. I mean, they had star power in Colorado as if you were in New York City or Hollywood or Miami. So the attention's there. The target is on their back. And they did show up. It was a very exciting game. Uh, watching what Shadur Sanders can do. His composure behind the pocket. An ability to take that team back when they're down. Watching that game and watching how methodical he had to be when they're down by 10 points with less than seven minutes left, you're thinking, wow, they done let Colorado State of all teams come and bust them in their mouth. And as you stated, a team that's not 100% because they lost their star player. They're, they're you know, five-star recruit. They're two-way player in Travis Hunter. And... So to watch what the team has done from the eyeball test, they show the level of resiliency. But because of what happened with the eyeball test, I hope the showing against Oregon is a little better because Oregon's not that that not that team you want to play with. Uh, I believe in Dion and Prime as he wants his team to, but they're about to see some thoroughbreds in the next couple of weeks. And because there's three weeks worth of tape out there. Teams coached uh, Oregon team as well as the USC team, or oh, they'll be well prepared. They already know uh, uh, Colorado's looking for that that proverbial being slighted and taking it personal. Don't give them any bulletin board material. You just go out there and play your game. But I do I do enjoy watching the show. I do enjoy watching how he's been able to motivate these overlooked players. And how in one season he has overturned that whole roster as well as the culture of not only that team, but for that city. Uh, you can't say anything bad about the man, what he's done for his own community. Uh, prayers definitely for Travis Hunter. They talked about a lacerated liver. Yeah. Now, I do believe the kid should have been thrown out that game with that late hit. But to see the impact that losing Travis Hunter 
what it'll do the next two weeks when you do have a very, very aggressive lineup playing against uh, Oregon and USC, it's unfortunate that uh, Colorado will not be at 100%. But when I hear the word lacerated liver, when I saw the hit, I thought maybe a broken rib. But how do you get an organ lacerated from a hit? Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so reading up on um, a lacerated liver often happens in automobile accidents or trauma to that area. And you saw the play, you saw the hit. So shoulder, significant force, blow. And I believe he was in a relaxed state because the play essentially was over. And so he took it full force. And I want to tell you, with the laceration of the liver, you got to worry about internal bleeding. Well, I'm remarked at after that play, he sat out for a little bit, but he came back in. That's a that's a strong man. That's a strong man because what we unbeknownst to us is what's going on now. We learn later he had a lacerated kidney. So we need to talk about the, the excuse me, the liver, lacerated liver. We need to understand what the liver does. The liver helps with metabolism. It helps with uh, uh, elimination of waste. It produces bile so we can uh, do our business when we sit down, the do-do, okay? It also helps with alcohol toxicity. It's a filter for blood. That's what the liver does. So what we have to be concerned about is that he doesn't have any long-term problems of the liver. There is a disease or, uh, that can progress. It's called a secondary sclerotic colonitis, colonitis, something like that, which can lead to a failure of the kidney to do its normal functions. Well, I just talked about a couple of functions. If it progresses to that, and that's a progressive disease, then we're talking about long-term, and this is the worst case scenario, we're talking about a liver transplant. So I want to say all that to know the severity of this problem. So I do want to back up. If you didn't see the play where he got hit, he was going out. There was a receiver, excuse me, a defender on him, and the ball was overthrown. The play was pretty much over. Most of us know I can't catch it. I relax. Let me resettle. Let me go back. Well, in the process of settling down, the defender, another defender, comes up, and, he, and he's in a relaxed state and give, gives him a full force blow to his abdomen. That's when it occurred. I, as a fan, thought, man, let me throw this guy out. Let me throw him out. I thought that was unnecessary roughness, and I thought that was unsportsmanlike. That's Tim speaking, and I would have thrown him out. They just gave him a flag and, and, and kept on pressing. I would like for us, Tim, that's what the referees ruled, and you just kept on playing. I like the Tims of the world to just keep it there on the field. Lo and behold, this defender has been getting death threats. So I'm like Dion. I'm like Dion. The game happened on the field. It was a play. It could happen anytime. It unfortunately happened against Travis Hunter. Um, the game is on the field, guys. So you as fans do not cross those lines and talk about death threats to something that happened really innocuously. So stop it, please don't do that. You're not doing Mr. Hunter any good. You're not doing the state of uh, the, the Colorado team, their culture any good, and you're looking bad for yourself. Do not do that, okay? It was really just a game. 
It's just a play. And it's unfortunate. Even as bad as I wanted him kicked out of the game, his life should not depend on that play. So please stop it with the death threats. But getting back to the liver, I wanted to give you the worst case scenario. So projected, he's going to be out at least two weeks. Let's pray. Let's pray that he takes all the time he needs to get well. Wow. Wow. You know, when I hear that, I, I move. But the biggest thing is we forget. And fans seem to have forgotten. Those are kids. So for a young man to get death threats, yes, I'm with you. I want him to get thrown out the game and look like a cheap shot. But it happened on the field. Referees took care of it, and the two coaches took care of it. For that young man, as well as his family, getting death threats, that's sad. And so uh, that's where we are now in this society uh, where, where fans are so intimately involved in the game. Why? Because gambling as well is part of the game. And so losing to Travis Hunter could have meant the difference of a spread being five points to 12 points. Or they were already three-point uh, a favorite, a three-touchdown favorite. So, you know, when we look at that and how fans are now taking this to the far extreme and putting people's lives in danger, it's extremely unfortunate. I do want to say something, too, and you talk about the target on your back. And... Fans, please don't take that literally. <laughs> please <laughs> do not take that literally. But what my co-host is talking about is players, you're not Dion. You don't have the swag, and you've only won three games. I'm talking about you Colorado Buffaloes, okay? You guys need to know to protect yourself. But the more you chirp, the more people are going to want to come at you, and those up to the line, up to the border, almost crossing the line kind of plays are going to happen because nobody likes you that's across from you. They are literally the enemy and they're coming for you. And now that you're 3-0, and somebody wants to knock you down, knock you off of your pedestal. There are people that these blue blood programs, we talked about Nebraska a, a week ago, Oregon's getting ready to come up in USC. These guys want to say, no, we got everything to lose. And they will bring everything to not lose. So know that, as they say, and, and my, my, my producer may cuss me out, but they're going to knock your dingling into the dirt. Okay? And, and be careful, protect yourself. I just want to be entertained. I want you players to play hard, play well to the full capacity, up to the whistle, after the whistle, leave it alone. But know, Buffalo, know that you're not primetime. You're not Dion. Play the game. You're still working on your next play or your next contract or your next game. And you haven't got to his status yet. He's only tried it through osmosis. You may feel like it, but you're not him. Stop it. But I get it. You, you wanna, you don't wanna run the score up. You don't wanna show teams up. But at the same time, as coaches, we have a, a responsibility to make sure that our student athletes get the best opportunity to showcase themselves for the next level. Right, and I mean that—that's part of the leadership. 
Uh, that's part of leadership for the programs, whether it's football, basketball, track and field. That comes with it. And so that's the delicate uh, dance and balance that each coach has to do. And it's not throwing rocks at any coach, uh, or coaches in particular across the city. Um, we're, we're talking most of the parents so that you understand that, uh, sure, there is a balancing act, and it's a very careful balancing act because uh, at the end of the day, once those kids leave your school and head off to college to either play or not play or whatever the case may be, you want them to leave with a great experience from the program. Oh, you just dropped the mic on that one. I think we came to a time to close out the show. What do you have for the fans as we bid them farewell to next week? Well, we got baseball playoffs just around the corner. We got basketball two weeks away, and we're in the middle of the NFL. College is on and rock, rocking, and we just talked about Let's talk about us as fans. Man, don't we love it? It wasn't just three short years ago, man. We couldn't go to the stadium, guys. And look at here we are. And then you want to act a fool on top of that? No, just be a fan and not fanatical. Please, just be fans. We had somebody at the Patriots game just recently get punched, and he died in the stadium. And we are trying to figure out what the heck is going on. So. The brawls in the stands, it just shouldn't happen. Why? Why? What are we doing? Again, they're out there for us. They're entertaining. Watch your liquor. And if you can't hold your liquor, don't drink. Stay home. Somebody lost a daddy. Somebody lost a son. Somebody lost a husband. Over what? Let's... Just be fans, go to the stadiums, go to these arenas for your entertainment and just have fun. And know the moment you open your mouth, it's almost like the road rage when you look over, you don't wanna look over no more. Jesus, let's just have fun. Cause a lost life, that one that will never come back, you're gonna regret it. And why, why? Let's just be fans and not be fanatical. And that's my last take. And I'm taking it to the house, and I'm out. And, 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 you know, building upon that, as we talk about this month in particular, we talk about the fragility of life. Uh, my public service announcement is check on your partners, check on your friends, check on your significant others. This is National Suicide Prevention Month. Take the time. Stressors are real. Just as my co-host has stated, someone had... Uh, an anger issue in the stands and they had a fight and killed someone. Uh, we don't know what everyone's going through, but day by day, but just asking, how are you doing? I'm checking in on you can go a long way. So again, September marks national suicide prevention month. Uh, to those that I had lost to uh, suicide, I say, we thinking of you, we love you and prayers for those survivors and their family members who are still, uh, you know, thinking of those, those uh, loved ones. So again, we're going to give it to y'all every way. Public service announcements, medical side, uplift, black community struggles, everything we can, because that's what we do. We take it to the house. So as we get ready for this weekend, as you all enjoy yourselves, hit us up on all our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're here. We're back. This is our fourth season. Having a great time. Hey, what they say back in the days, we ain't stopping yet. So take care, you all. Love you. 
I'm taking to the house, I'm out. 